0: Greetings to everyone listening. This is the Greek Speak live stream and podcast featuring the Archon and the Greek. I'm the Archon, creator of Greekspeak.com, my co-host and originator of the name of the website. The Greek will be joining me shortly, but prior to that, I want to thank everyone for tuning into this introductory episode where the Greek and I will be laying out our intentions for the stream and the scope of our discussions during the first season. We're going to be tackling a range of subjects, some of which have already been uh, broached in articles on the website, and we're aiming to complement those writings with some exposition of similar things. And I hope that we succeed in making these talks as thought provoking and insightful as possible. And hopefully, we will be able to arrive at some conclusions rather than conjecture or open ended interpretations. So, I hope you find it to be an enjoyable listen. Greekspeak.com has no political, religious, or commercial affiliations and is completely funded and managed by myself at this point in time. Um, The podcasts will be available to download in the Greekspeak Media tab menu on the website's homepage. So, thank you once again for tuning in, and I hope that you enjoy this introductory episode.
1: So, Greek, are you there? Greetings, yes, hello.
0: Hi, how and, goes things? Yeah.
1: OK, going well. Uh, this is the first time around, and we're going to give it a go and uh, see how things work out. And uh, hopefully we'll have an audience that will grasp what we're saying and be able to use it as well.
0: You have done a few of these in the past, which are quite spread out across different lesser known media outlets. Um, and I don't think that I'm remiss to say that none of them were particularly structured for mass consumption, would you say?
1: Uh, I, I would say no, not at all. Uh, like I said, uh, in the past, if anyone's heard any Greek speak, i've I've always introduced uh, the Greek as someone who's just visiting here taking notes. so the the aspect of Greek speak is uh, you know, why aren't these things being said? Why aren't they being considered because, Guess what? They're extremely obvious, and I leave out the extreme part. Let's just say they most things are quite obvious to anyone that has any form of perception, you know, topically. And again, these are obvious points. I never, I never like to make references to things that are hard to access. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good to bring up reference materials. It's good to bring up, uh, you know, things that have been memorialized. I, I like to uh, bring up, you know. Uh, Memor- uh, the memorialized information as a reference memorialized just means that it's been in the record or official or unofficial either way and having people just look at things and uh, you know, there's a lot of complaining and there's a lot of bickering and there's a lot of wondering and that's uh, really completely unnecessary so again bringing up um, a topic and then bringing up the points re- uh, supporting the topic uh, regarding the obvious and, and I think as we go along with more sonic events, I like to call them sonic events, what have you, they, they could be podcasts and streams, but I would say, uh, uh, again, wh- whoever is listening will notice that many of the, the, the underpinning notions and supporting information is going to be pretty clear.
0: Okay, yeah, um, as far as things that are obvious, I, um, I do think that as we progress, we'll be defining exactly what the scope of that is, because people find that... You know what's obvious should be self-evident, but because certain things are not self-evident to them, then therefore they're not obvious So we must be talking about something else Um, But I think we'll get to that in time
1: Well, well if there's a sober mindset And in quotations, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're not if you don't have a sober mindset or a sane mindset I don't think there's a a hammer big enough to drive it home. So
0: Okay, yes, and we'll also get to the topic of mindset, which is a subject in and of itself But um, this is going to be episode zero of what will be a series of streams, which will collectively be called the Greek Speak Podcasts when they're made available for download. So I think it's a good idea to start with some general introduction of who we are and what the purview of our talks will be so that people aren't taken aback by the content or the tone and have a fair idea of what to expect. So I'm going under the name The Archon and I'm the creator of the website and originator of the streaming project which is named after a term first thrown out by the Greek some years ago when he was making appearances elsewhere. I had become a listener by chance and was prompted to take up my own line of study after hearing what the Greek had to say on various matters. And uh, one of the fruitions of that is now Greekspeak.com. I run the site at my leisure and my hopes for this podcast and stream is to see whether there are segments of the public that are responsive to not only the kind of subject matter we're going to discuss, but the mindset that it imparts also. I think the concept of having a proper mindset or mentality um, is a central theme within Greek speak, more so than examining any single piece of information about a subject, because frankly, much of what we're going to discuss can be found online already, but it's not uncommon for people to be selective about the information that they accept. So I accept that the content on greekspeak.com will have varying degrees of interest from the public based on whatever mindset a person has, which is fine, but regardless of whatever topics are presented on the site, uh, my hope is that it will not only impart the information but also a new way of looking at things. So that's it for me. How about you, Greek?
1: Oh, basically a surface-dwelling earth inhabitant that's just uh, taking notes and doing a lot of telling, it seems. Right. And that's pretty much the end of it. I think, uh, again, uh, like I always say, I'm, I just happen to be here with everyone else, uh, whoever everyone is, and uh, just like to bring up some points that might uh, – I don't like to use the words uh, help anyone or make anyone better or whatever, because that's really up to them. But uh, bring up things that you notice uh, – c- that things that can be noticed that are in contrast to, again, we'll bring up the term that, the current mindset. To be contrasting and complementary, uh, which actually might ultimately end up with the eviction of the of, of the thoughts that most people have about things.
0: I would garner from that and from our past talks that you're more in the habit of talking at people than than with them per se. Mm-hmm. Does that? Wh- sure, why does that uh, end up being more common than the, the, the than the other?
1: Well, the thing is, uh. uh you know, when you're reading an introduction or when an introduction is being made, it's basically a one-sided uh, projection, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the introduction could be to, let's say, something called a dialogue, just like we had an introduction here. Um, and I believe that everything that is being discussed under the purview of Greek speak is an introduction. Because to really get into anything and in, uh, all of its ultimate details is, is requires almost what most people might consider an infinite amount of time on any subject. So basically almost everything that I discuss publicly, using that term in quotes, uh, is an introduction, even if it's an hour long. Hmm. Right? Because the, the, the ultimately then the, the dialogue, I think, will, will begin um, when certain things are established. And uh, it doesn't seem like there has been much, uh, what, should we use the term progress? What is progress, right? Uh, within the uh, the human mindset or the human condition. And there won't be, which we probably cover in in other uh, sonic events or, or streams. Mm-hmm. And give the reasons why as well. <clears throat> yeah, so speaking at people is... Uh, is is interesting because i think i've also brought up there's a there's a social element that if anyone does public speaking and you're looking into the eyes of the audience very often they're wondering you know when is he going to shut up so i can say what i want to say right
0: yes that is common Mm -hmm. a second thing we could do is to delineate how the term greek speak should be understood it's a term that you used to uh, loosely dub a certain kind of talk some years back and i've run with it to create this website as my own enterprise My take is that it's a catch-all term for a kind of rhetoric, encompassing anything from critical theory to natural philosophy or scientific exposition and even common sense, um, which imparts a more objective understanding of reality. What is your take on that term as the originator of it?
1: Well, here's the interesting thing. I like to, to say that I haven't originated anything merely merely packaging it in a, in a sonic form and throwing it at people and not necessarily to see what sticks but just uh, tossing it out there so no one can say that it's never been done it sounds like an interesting endeavor it's sort of like uh, uh, if you look at even the term Greek speak that's that that has that was originated by others. You know, for example, I would have either private or public conversations, uh, you know, on the Internet, and people would say, oh, we're g- here's the Greek where he goes by the Greek, and we're going to have some Greek speak. And it kind of stuck.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it just, uh, it just goes around. It's an organic uh, thing, you know. I think most of the terms that I'll bring up, people will, you know, like a sonic event, for example, you know, well, what is a podcast? What is a stream? Well, it's an event. And it's audible, so making it sonic. So basically, uh, just putting stuff together and having other people's input, uh, you know, form the thing, you know. Mm-hmm. There's no con- convent, uh, uh, convention or anything to Greek speak. There is no such thing. Uh, it, it is it is uh, without a thing, you know.
0: Right. So I think that by me running with it, it might end up becoming a thing. But um, I think the contours of it will be fleshed out for everybody as the podcast progresses nonetheless. There has been a reoccurring aspect to it, I would say, um, one which is central to its thrust, and that is the idea that it's the kind of talk that is antagonistic to many prevailing conventions or mainstream worldviews. The idea is that there exists this kind of communication that many people don't want to hear or engage with because of how it sets them at odds with the world that they live in and their understanding of that world in themselves. So, I mean, that's nothing new because there's always been some kind of alternative media or independent journalism or even secret societies that operate alongside the mainstream with their own view of things but greek speak i think you would might say does not place itself alongside the fringe movements of the world correct
1: sure not at all yeah well what are the fringe movements you know uh i think they're just fringe movements because they're labeled as such Mm. i I think we're we in the future we might discuss more of the, the the core reality of the uh quote-unquote communities you know you have the mainstream you have the alternative the fringe uh right uh they're they're called communities in some sense or groups um uh it's not really as uh as we're being told because ultimately there's an underlying uh um culture that has to be considered you know for example i think it's been brought up in the past if you uh, visited a culture of uh, or a society of headhunters they would have a different world view than uh, for example uh, a technocratic or technological society that um, sort of forbids cannibalism and headhunting right, mm-hmm. right? Uh, which one is right which one is wrong uh, you know for example an aquatic society versus a desert society you know which one is right which one is wrong so I think transcending the culture is, is, um, is the aspect of, uh, of having a successful, um, I don't know, what would you say, again, communication of the purpose of, of communicating, of speaking. Otherwise, why why critique something um, if it's not going to be objective? See, the objective reality of uh, various societies is uh, the reality that you're a surface-dwelling earth inhabitant, and uh, you're in an anthropomorphic figure that interacts with your environment, and that's the, the basic
0: starting point the reason i bring it up is because when people see things as unconventional they do tend to sideline it so thereof if you have the mainstream that people generally accept as being legitimate and the alternative stuff and the fringe stuff around it which unfortunately comes with also a sense of it being not worthy of your attention once it gets into that alternative label and I wouldn't say that Greek-speak necessarily strives to be that, or that this podcast strives to be that. I think the alternative media is, you know, a discreet thing unto itself that I don't think that we're trying to necessarily stand next to.
1: Well, how about instead of saying alternative or mainstream, uh, view it from a qualitative point of view. It's easy to understand the qualitative qualitative nature of things let's say regarding food is it of high quality or is it of low quality right you'd have like hot cuisine well-prepared food uh well-sourced um ingredients and then you have what's called junk food
0: Mm
1: -hmm. right which is not well-prepared and not well-sourced ingredients which one do you think is more popular on the outset and on the inside the junk food right Mm -hmm. so uh, i view things as being uh uh are they quality you know how are they uh, judged, uh, I use that word judge, yes, mean discern um, from a qualitative point of view. So you can study anything, whether it's academic, uh, theocratic, political, uh, physiological, you know, regarding natural philosophy, which is basically science, uh, any aspect that humans can be involved in or people can be involved in from a qualitative point of view. So let's just take a point uh, that you've been bringing up uh, the alternative or fringe or mainstream. Um, the contrasts perhaps someone who has more of a mainstream outlook uh outlook meaning to accept information and uh sources versus the uh uh sources from the alternative or the fringe the, the thing is let's just put that aside and look at the quality um it doesn't matter what it's considered i think i think the uh at the end of the day uh, you're going to settle always people will always settle better this is again um, altruistic with a higher quality um, input mm-hmm. and it just that doesn't seem to be the uh, the uh, the way things are I mean just look at the you know again the food aspect right, right. so um, you know uh, so again when you're looking at uh, mainstream food uh, whether it's on the receiving end or the projecting end, you know, mainstream, let's say, would be the mainstream media, academia, religions, whatever, institutions, or you're looking at the alternative or fringe, what is the quality of what they're serving, their patrons or, or listeners or whatever? And look at it strictly from that point of view first.
0: Mm. Well, to that, I, I guess if you're going to make a qualitative assessment, you do need a reference. Because if you've, for example, to go with the food thing, if you've only eaten junk food your whole life and you don't know what anything else tastes like, then it becomes hard to evaluate the quality of it. You know, I've met children who will tell me that McDonald's is good for you because they're 12 years old and they don't know anything else. And I ran into them when they were coming out of the store with their with their lunch. Um, so if, if somebody you know, lacks the discernment to make a qualitative assessment because the the subject matter is so unfamiliar, then they're caught in a bit of a weird place. Um, at best, for some people, Greek-speak is a kind of ponderable entertainment by a, you know, well-spoken character in the form of the Greek, uh, so it might be interesting, but it's soon forgotten among the more pressing actualities of life, no?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, again, that could be qualitative in a sense. Like, Let's just go a little further from the... Um with the junk food aspect and let's say you were considering the culture of these children the reason they consider it such is because of their culture if you were to go to let's say a rural place in asia uh, they would not consider that to be you know the food that they should have and if you want to even contrast it more if you were To visit a society that was cannibalistic they wouldn't view it as such again either right Mm -hmm. and then you have for example theocratic societies that have certain food laws and restrictions and they would view things differently again like for example in India I think you mentioned McDonald's um, they're predominantly uh, based on beef patties right hamburgers where somewhere parts of India would not be accepted due to the Hindu culture Mm -hmm. so again uh, it's best to focus and uh, on on the qualitative aspect transcends those cultures because uh, whether you're a cannibal or Hindu or uh, a Westerner that eats you know junk food, uh, you you your livers your kidneys and most of the things in your bodies based on type are interchangeable. So there is an inherent aspect of quality affecting you, right? So, uh, so we try to transcend that. And of course, in the future, when we do more of these sonic events, when we go across subjects, let, let's say, regarding um, what the people call science or, or what their uh, theoc- theocratic uh, leanings are, religion or other cultural aspects, um, the, the, it might sound critical, like you said, to the mainstream ear, mm-hmm. you know, the one that's cultured towards that. But um, it, it will be undeniable that it actually is part of the undercurrent uh, of, of what they uh, like or don't like, and it's sort of irrefutable. Like, you know, for example, if you uh, tell anyone, let's say Santa Claus doesn't exist, no one will refuse that. I mean, sans the children that are deceived into thinking that, right? Right. No one will... Um, will deny that santa claus doesn't exist or what santa what size if you see a serious debate over santa claus's shoe size it'll be dismissed as not being can't be serious right Mm -hmm. but yet people celebrate them as their in most western societies as their chief deity right so uh and i know that sounds harsh and critical but it's actually true because you look at what they say what they do not what they say uh, so, again, when we, we'll bring up the different subjects, we're going to go into uh, the qualitative aspect, like, for example, fact or fiction. One can say that something that is factual uh, takes precedent over something that is fiction. And, again, to be sort of on the, uh, on the outset critical, you'll look at any culture and you'll see that uh, many aspects of what they believe in or function with is fictional, whether it's a legal fiction you know regarding matters of law whether it's religious fiction medical fiction science fiction hmm. right? and I don't mean science fiction as the entertainment venue but actually what they're being told is science is actually mostly based on fiction not because it's an outside criticism but it's actually recorded memorialized in their own official documents as such
0: hmm. right
1: so now and then eventually you'll see that we're, we're going to be basically speaking about a earth-based society with its different cultures that is basically insane and that's the that's basically the moral of the story you're uh, you're surrounded with crazy by crazy people and of course anyone that has just the mainstream mindset right now might say well that's crazy that's not for me well you know that's again that's an interesting part of what I might call filtering right Mm -hmm. you know there's an ancient saying a friend to all is a friend to none right so uh are you are you trying to uh please everyone or look for approval for everyone or you just have to say what has to be said and I think the the latter part it ends up with unfavorable results in the mass uh in you know, the mass mindset
0: well in terms of society. Let's take a look at that, because to lay out some some key themes that will underlie future discussions I think would be helpful. So the basis for a lot of Greek speak is a kind of diagnosis of a universal condition that has befallen human societies all over the world, which no one is exempt from except that each person is affected to it by a different degree. So we want in some way to sum up that state, and the question I put to you is by way of an analogy that you've used in the past and kind of touched on here which is that if you were a dispassionate outside observer of this world, say an alien from another planet on a reconnaissance mission, what is the report that could be given about how human society is currently constituted and operated?
1: Well, that's a, is that a question or a statement? I think it's more of a statement because that can only be followed through by hours and hours and hours of discussion or presentation or, quote-unquote, talking at people. But I think one, one thing which might have been the theme of today's uh, stream uh, in some respect is co- what I call cosmic censorship, right? Is that something we might want to get into? Or um...
0: Um, Yeah, I don't mind us touching on that briefly. Well, well
1: the thing is, uh, w- one thing if you were visiting this planet um, and uh, making a report back, the report back would probably go thusly. You'd say that no one is paying any attention, you know, as a group, as a whole. Uh, with very little, uh, very little exception to that,
0: and in that sense, paying attention to what specifically, because clearly things function in the sense that there is, you know, a forward movement of some kind and activity going on all over the place.
1: Uh, I'd call it uh, their activities are rote at this point, meaning they just just a ha- habit, and they do what they do uh, because they've uh, become accustomed to it how many times have you heard like uh, almost a cliche well i I don't know i just work here right Mm -hmm. or i was just following orders or that's that's the way it's always been done well that's what i believe and i'm entitled to it right Mm -hmm. the worst thing i've ever heard is i will defend to the death your right to say it and i'm like "Well, be careful of saying things like that because someone might accommodate you Right. So, uh, I mean, you, how many times have you heard all of these things that are borderline cliché? I mean, actually, they are clichés. <clears throat> and that is the norm, right? Uh, we, we, this is the way we do things. This is the way it's always been done. I've only, I only work here. I was only following orders right and then and then you have the spectrum that's the central spectrum then you have left or right of that or up and down of that the more extremist the uh, uh, vocalization which is how dare you insult my belief how dare you insult right mm-hmm. who are you you know to say that right and on the other more mild uh, ir- let's say still respected to the same framework uh, the apathetic well I don't care It really doesn't matter what you believe, you see.
0: Perhaps we can uh, look at some concrete examples, even though I'm sure things come to people's minds because it's quite common what you're talking about.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, a concrete example is even setting things in concrete. Once concrete is poured, by the way, and set, uh, it's not easily moved. So it is, in a sense, uh, everything we just mentioned is part of the concrete pour, you know. Mm. You know, the concrete's very malleable, it's actually a fluid uh, while it's being worked. And once it's cast and set, it's very difficult to uh, remove or change. So in a sense, this is a, con- a good concrete analogy, even though there's not much there. When people say all those uh, things that we just I just brought up, there, there's really not much there. It's just fluff, let's say, right? Mm-hmm. Again. Um, I would suggest that uh, uh, there are people, uh, maybe not part of the multitude, that have had gnawing questions or gnawing thoughts regarding what we just brought up. Mm-hmm. Why are things the way they are in the apathy? Let's just say on one end there's the apathy, on the other end there's the uh, aggressive con- you know, uh, aspect of it. And then there's the central aspect of it, which is... Well, this is the way it's always been done. I just work here. I'm just following orders, and this is the way we do things, right? And then you have the the more passive, I don't care, and then the more aggressive, how dare you, aspect of that. And that is pretty much uh, in any subject. For example, um, in the medical society, right, there's a lot of discussion Regarding, you know, how the human body should be treated or or, you know, dealt with from a medical perspective and anyone and everyone always encounters, you know, if you're pursuing what's called alternative healing methods, which actually if you understand the concept of the way the standard medical industry works, that is an alternative. It's not the way it should be done. But nonetheless, uh, you're always asked, well, who are you to discuss um, medical methodologies? Are you a doctor? Where did you get your degree? Right? So there's the, of the plausibility. If you're going to discuss let's say theological or religious concepts, are, where did you get your degree in, you know, in theology or are you a priest or are you a rabbi right? And then, you see so you have all of these other systems around the uh, uh, systems, actually things that people say again that support that uh, mindset that no one is paying any attention and they're just doing things because they're on autopilot or they're rote, you see and this of course is is the norm of the planet you know so so you can actually progress forward you know if we're going to do more of these streams and say well then the greek-speak is actually hopeless then well not really because again uh... there are people that have gnawing questions and thoughts regarding why things are the way they are and that i guess is the the uh... the benefit of understanding what's being said here
0: in all of this i would like to acknowledge that there will be some or could be some skepticism that some people will receive you know these kinds of claims and assertions with because for a person to accept what you're saying right now on face value means that they have to redefine their understanding of the world at a level that involves some discomfort to you know the way that they live their lives so how does somebody reconcile the lifelong mainstream perception that they've had with the claims of greek speak when the mainstream perceptions have the force of society or world governments or mass media and plausible deniability on their side they don't have to
1: redefine it they just have to define
0: it because
1: right now they lack definition they have no definition it's like the blob right the culture itself is the container and everything and everyone within it takes the shape of its container so they can't define the shape of the container i think uh it just uh, again um Go back and see what's been memorialized about the subject, any subject, and you'll see it's a very deep contrast to what people uh, uh, believe about that subject and how they function in it. And and then the, here here's the, the ultra the ultra esoteric mysterious aspect is is that when you see the contrast of rea, uh, of how people function and think versus the real reality of what these things really are one has to wonder it's a, it's a mystery how anything is getting done, hmm. right? In other words, if you see what the medical industry is doing or the food industry or the political industry or the religious industry or or any aspect of human involvement based on what the reality of those things are, there shouldn't be anyone here. There should be complete chaos, but there isn't. So there's another underpinning. A reality to it. You know, one, one might call it the, non, <clears throat> the non-physical the non side, I believe, has uh, a strong influence on it. Also Tesla, by the way, Nikola Tesla, which which is not mainstream, but if you like using things that are electrical and electronic, he's one of the main people to credit. He said that when man starts researching the non-physical aspects of reality, that's when he will make more progress in a year than he has ever before in any scientific field. So, uh, again, when you talk about things that are not physical, like thoughts and, 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 let's say, many things that are not, that do influence the physical world, are mm-hmm. uh, seem to be infinite because they can't be quantified. And I think that scares a lot of people. But, again, just to go back uh, to what you had asked, I think just uh, what will, one can walk away with after listening to Greek speak is that it's based on definition, one of the earlier things that I used to do years ago in Greek speak uh, <clears throat> when I was being interviewed or speaking publicly or even privately is bring up the notion of words, what words mean. Like etym- etymology is not is very different than a dictionary. Dictionary just is how to pronounce the words so all the subjects can sound uniform. That's why when you look up a word in a dictionary, it shows you the phonetic spelling first, where etymology would be the root meaning of the word. So I used to bring up word concepts and a lot of people actually discovered the word nice for example is not a very quote-unquote nice word right Right. or the word academic or or on and on and on so again bringing up definitions uh, for example go to back I brought up medicine a few times like people are always concerned about viruses right Mm -hmm. where years ago it was about hygiene well if you actually look up the history and what's been what is really known about viruses it's part of uh, the field of known as toxicology and it has to do with the liver it's not something that you get when someone sneezes so you know and again i brought up the santa claus aspect you know how can he be a chief deity when everyone admits that he's a fiction right and we go on and on and on and on so basically just define the thing and then hold it up uh and some people might feel like a victim when you do that right when you criticize any aspect of society just by uh, they view it as a criticism because you're defining it they might consider themselves a victim like you're gesticulating something towards them to offend them and then you have the other ones that are like well thank you for that because now I uh, it makes sense you'll hear that often once um, definitions are brought up what things are um, and it's not it's more than just a consensus reality because we agree on it. It's that. No, there's a level beyond that, which is very simple. Um, but once you bring that up, then a lot of people that do appreciate the definition of things, uh, they will say, well, thank you. That makes things more clearly. And now things make more sense is a very common. So again, are we, you know, is this Greek speak? I believe is geared towards more of the quote unquote sensible person.
0: There is, of course, a very popular strain of thought that is, you know, currently circulating where they say the definitions do not matter because that is to put a constraint on an understanding of things, whereas to go with a purely subjective um, outlook where your feelings are going to determine which direction you're going to take is, is more reliable. Well, they say
1: that until things uh, break down completely, and then they say we have to go back to look at the definitions. We sh- We shouldn't have taken that route. Again, with the medical, a very simple way to look at that is uh, pharmaceuticals. I think it's over 80% of um, commercial pharmaceuticals are banned after about a decade because they're deemed dangerous. Mm-hmm. But when they're introduced into society, they they don't look at the definition of what the composition of these things are. They just look at the advertised benefit. And then after a decade of suffering, maladies, and side effects, they say we should ban it because why because it just did uh, the, 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 the pharmaceutical morph into something dangerous or was it always dangerous by definition
0: right. During the course of Greek speak, people will arrive at a number of crossroads I think. A person could on one hand take the left fork in the road and reject what you know we're putting forth here and take it as somewhat you know curious talk but ultimately benign and purely subjective. Or, on the other hand, they could take the right fork in the road and acknowledge that you know what's being said is an indication of things that they've already suspected on their own, and so they could continue to listen in hopes of you know working those things out. And we know what happens if a person takes the left fork and discards the subject matter. Their life continues on as it was before. But my question is, what happens if they take the right fork and alter their convictions? How is Greek-speak ultimately useful to someone who recognizes it as something important, even though they're still bound by the constraints of their circumstances?
1: Well, I think you just answered it there. You know, are you are you are you seeking something that is going to add clarity, or do you just want to uh, go on with how you've been? That's that's fine. And when I say go on how you've been, because the great majority are pretty much uh, within that category. You know, they don't know why they're doing what they're doing. But uh, you broke you, you you dropped out there for about five or six seconds. Oh, but I, I think you were asking? Yeah. Uh, w- w- you know, is there a benefit, or how do those that uh, accept it? Um, uh or understand it or 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 use it you know um what is the outcome well you know again it's not going to change much but it'll add clarity to whoever is seeking it that that is a that is a thing in itself to have known is it better to have known or better to have not known and and again these are these are not these these thoughts, these things that you'll hear in in, in future uh, streams as as well as today, are are not based on conjecture or opinion or desire. And again, what one thing I was thinking about while you were asking that is, um, I, I personally am not seeking approval. Uh, so that that's another you know uh, in air quotes a category. You know if you for example both if you look at uh, mainstream and alternative, there guess what. They're both seeking a, a, approval, and when you do that, you have to accommodate who your who your audience is. And then nothing changes. You're stuck in a vicious cycle, because if you've made an objective determination that no one is paying any attention, and what I mean by that specifically is by the definition of things and what things really are, as best you can define them, right? If you're if you're going to accommodate people that are living in a fictional or, or, or plausible reality you can only accommodate them with more fiction and more plausibility right
0: mm-hmm.
1: you see so I, again to go back earlier like you were saying the mainstream and alternative uh, the purveyors of that kind of stuff are always accommodating their audience it's that they're, and they're stuck in a dog chasing its tail scenario and that's pretty obvious. I mean, you can go, there's so many venues on what's called the Internet or even in print, and they're all accommodating the audience. Even if you look at, for example, um, classical texts that are supposed to inform its reader, let's say the biblical text or other things like that, if you look at an unabridged version, they'll tell you in the introduction they're accommodating a certain mindset. It's not, re- it's not really how it is, you know, regarding the, uh, the subject matter. Again, again with uh, science, uh, medicine, religion, politics, it's, it's very, very different. You know, in other words, it, meaning what it is memorialized about those subjects, is in high contrast to what people think it is. And I think I brought up in the past the concept of someone called Gustave Le Bon, who wrote about the crowd. Mm -hmm. who was analyzing the phenomenon and how crowds form and I've distilled it down basically his work to say that in order to gather a large group or a crowd with approval, any concept has to be simplified so they do uh, accept the concept, but the problem with that is that it becomes so oversimplified that it no longer represents its original form, you know. It's the same thing like, for example, you could look at any political system. What is uh, shouted by the pundits or the politicians themselves or even in print is very different uh, 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 than the political reality that is uh, documented and memorialized in their codes and laws and, gu- and, and reference materials. Very, very different. Right? The same thing with every religion. Like I I always say, there's not a religion on the planet that knows anything that's in the text that they allegedly subscribe to. Or they don't even do anything in it. Because it's, again, you know, uh, with medicine, same thing, right? Um, They definitely uh, have everyone believing it's one thing, but if you actually spend some time studying quote-unquote medical documents, you'll see it's very different. So there's a contrast between what's been memorialized. Again, if you bring up the concept of visiting this planet, taking notes, and I would go into their records department first before I view society, uh, view society uh, it would be very easy to view society as being insane because there's everything they're doing is contrary to what's memorialized. Now, if you were to view the way they were doing things and then go look at what's been memorialized. You might question what's being memorialized as not being true because everyone is almost acting in the opposite way regarding these subjects, you see. So it depends on which approach you have first. If you're well-versed within the reference materials of any subject on human society, it's very easy to view them as being clinically insane or just insane or not well on the onset very quickly. But again, if you're well adapted to the way they do things and then look at their uh, definitive material or what's been memorialized, you, you might question that and say it doesn't matter because well, obviously everyone else is doing the opposite. And the reason I repeated that is because that is the typical re- resultant um, comment that you get from people. You know, if you were to uh, not even you, – you must remain fundamental, by the way, but not even in a conservative way. Fundamental just means staying true to it, right? But in conservative means that you're rigid and dogmatic. Regarding any subject, if you were to run into anyone in any society on the planet right now and present them uh, with the reference materials of what they're engaged in, they will almost immediately dismiss it as not being true or not mattering, you see. Not matter, not having a matter on what they're doing. And that seems to be the the classic resultant with what I call the surface-dwelling Earth inhabitant. We're maybe doing the opposite here. We're going to bring up the a notion of what the reference material is first and then putting it out, you see, without looking for approval.
0: Yes, I think that as time goes on, we'll definitely get into some, some details that are tangible that people can reference. For now, though, since we're still in the introductory episode, I think we'll look at one of the, the more central themes to Greek speak, particularly on the website. One of the first things that people see when they visit greekspeak.com in the menu option is cosmic censorship. It's a central concept within Greek speak, though by no means a new one to uh, human history. I think it's been spoken of in everything from ancient Vedic writings of Buddhism and Hinduism, where it's sometimes called the Maya, to uh, modern portrayals, perhaps most famously the Matrix movies, but in countless others, of course. So it's this idea that there exists primarily Two realities one which is secondary and home to most human beings and rules their perception um, and the other which is primary yet concealed and exerts a shaping influence on the secondary one so unless i'm wrong cosmic censorship is an epithet that the greek is used quite often to describe a state of affairs and the force which maintains the separation between these realities correct Oh, I'd
1: say so, Uh, only because it's easy to communicate that once the listener uh, understands what is being communicated regarding the term cosmic censorship. I've had in the past some people uh, message me and say, are you talking about this cosmic censorship? Meaning if you do a search on a browser, they bring up some Einsteinian um, quackery and relativism and things like that regarding singularities. That's not what I'm talking about. I actually was not aware of that term until I um, had a fully functional way of expressing it as cosmic censorship. And then later on finding out it was used by academia regarding the existence of black holes or something like that. And the reason I put that term together is because censorship is the act of censoring and cosmic meaning uh, uh, broadly placed. And cosmos, believe it or not, is the Greek word regarding the world but it's been applied to mean beyond the world, you know, even if you're, they're discussing, you know, universal things, you know, meaning physical or conceptual. So I figured uh, putting the two words together would be a good way of expressing how people just don't see things and how it's it's because of a third, you know, of a, 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 another force that is implying that. And again, I just want to restate that it has nothing to do with the cosmic censorship that you find in academia, which is regarding their their whole again science fiction it might sound critical at this point but in the future might explain why what people consider to be science is actually fictional
0: sure for those people that are curious there's an article on the website you can read about that that would be introductory um body of work how did you come to be made aware of cosmic censorship do you remember that or was it something that came to you at a relatively early stage
1: well in short i was seeking uh, ancient texts regarding uh matters of law right uh, it's a big subject. People tend to uh, go away from it. And I figured, well, why not start uh, from, a hist- uh, from a historical point of view? When was the concept of law first brought up? And, for example, if you study something known as the biblical text, you'll find uh, mosaic laws in there. But then if you move ahead and study what's called the prophet, the prophets, um, you'll find that there, there's a decree made uh, by the gods um to close the eyes and shut the ears so they don't see and don't hear meaning they meaning the people right so i i started then again looking and looking and looking at uh, ancient texts and like you said the maya in certain traditions and there are many traditions that speak of the uh, man being blinded or short-sighted uh and i started seeing (laughs) that as part of the reality of which people uh how people function and it's a reality and it's part of their culture believe it or not mm-hmm. so uh i i saw that it is part of the reality and that and again it's a form of censorship and it's cosmic and again cosmic again if one studies that it means just the world but it's also extended beyond that and that's why i chose that term
0: and this you found evidence of this looking at various texts this is something that you found in say eastern texts western texts Esoteric yeah, if, things.
1: Let's just say east, west, north, and south. Mm-hmm. And and what's interesting about since we brought up ancient texts, you know, nowhere in ancient texts are there dumb people or stupid people or uh, I people with low IQ. The people's uh, perception and ability is judged by how well they can see and hear. It it's an interesting Western phenomenon how certain people are called ignorant. Uh, well, ignorant means ignorant of so, or just of lower mental capacity. Right. That's a psychological fiction, I think. I mean, these are things that can be discussed in great depth later. But uh, I found that from a more neutral and objective perspective, it's uh, perception, not what they call intelligence. Ultimately, everyone has the same as as long as you're functionally there. Uh, Just like having a warehouse of computers with given specifications on memory and function, they're all equal. It's the ones that have a better power supply or a better operator that tend to seem to perform better. So again, I just want to bring up the point that uh, the, uh, the, the concept of people being more intelligent than others, again, which we might discuss if we ever go into the education system, which the critique on that would be how well can you repeat what you've been told? It's called a grading system. How many times have you heard of, you know, a valedictorian or this guy? You know, what makes this guy or gal smarter than everyone else? Well, they got a better score than everyone else, right? So that just means they could repeat things back. So it's very, you know, the interesting part about intelligence, the definition I found, objective, objectifying the definition of intelligence, is how well can you perceive? Eyes and ears, again uh lack of cosmic censorship it doesn't mean you're you'll be in a better place because again in this given your culture if you don't adhere to the the plausible normality you'll be ousted right
0: perception certainly matters um we're going to get to that in later episodes there's an article on that on the website for anyone that wants to take a look also But concerning cosmic censorship, if it is indeed a universal condition, then it implies that the primary distinction between people who wish to gain a better understanding or perception of reality is to what extent are you censored. So on one hand, you have people who are so censored that they don't know that the censorship exists. And then moving on from that, you have varying degrees of clarity at different stages. So what differentiates the cluelessly censored person from someone who has gained enough realization to acknowledge the censorship in the first place?
1: I, that's really up to them uh, because that gets really sticky. Let's say you're the latter, uh, someone who, believe, you know, who, no, not, let, let's not use the word believe, but has noticed that there's a censoring factor to human uh, participation in reality, right? Use that term. Uh, and when you approach someone who is, let's say, doesn't acknowledge that they're being limited and is quite happy with where they are, there's going to be a violent opposition eventually. And violent doesn't mean physical violence either, right? It could be verbal or intentional violence, which, you know, is emotional. Um, So uh, many times I've said, if you notice someone is censored to the point where they can't even acknowledge the censorship or can't even see uh, anything evidentiary put in front of them, just walk away. Because it's not going to end up well, right? So this is part of the reality. That's why it's... Uh, you know, when, when people are confronted on a social point of view regarding why is there so much war, misery and starvation, they just say, well, that's the way it is. They don't want to address and look at uh, look at it deeper. And then, of course, you'll have the alternative side, say, well, it's the bankers doing it. Well, not really, right? Because you know, there was war before there were bankers, right? True. So, so you can say, you know, one thing or another, but are you objectifying it? And the answer to what I see out in the world is no, there is no objectification. But again, uh, going back to the question, uh, it's a very, uh, well, it's self-answering. In other words, as, um, again, going back to the ancient history, the the less censored the individual, the sages, the wise men, so forth and so on, you know, um, what did they do in regard to their culture and society and the masses? Did they... Did they interact openly and look for approval or did they separate themselves go out and live in the mountains or the wilderness and some secluded place they usually separated themselves they set themselves apart and minimize contact and I know that doesn't sound like something I know this is we're just starting the, the stream and this is the beginning I mean are we laying down the idea that uh, if you listen to Greek speak and try to put into effect in your life that you'll have to separate yourself and, and not and uh, not garner approval from others uh, can I say yes? <laughs> that, right? I would say be so, careful. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to be careful. And also, you're, and this is both mainstream and alternative. And, you know, it does, because they're this, to me, that, the, again, uh, I, they're, they're all the same. Everything out there is the same until it's delineated from a qualitative perspective.
0: Right? Mm-hmm.
1: So, uh, yeah, but it doesn't mean that it shouldn't be said, and it doesn't mean that it can't be said. So, hence, you know, the Greeks speak.
0: Mm-hmm. I would say people recognize this understanding of the wise men that isolate themselves. You know, I think for me, the most tangible reference is Obi-Wan Kenobi in Star Wars. You know, he's living on Tatooine somewhere, not really interested in what's happening in the rest of the the world, so to speak, until it's, it's his time to do something. And you see that over and over again in various fictional depictions. But that is not to say necessarily that you should go live in the Himalayas, because you might find that what you're trying to escape from is there also. And it does. It's. It, and
1: by the way, uh, is it misanthropic? I'd say it is to a degree. But is it only misanthropic? Meaning, Greek speak? No. Because ultimately, um, you know, people say all you need is love, or God is love, and you hear that bantied around. I dare them to define it, and they can't. But ultimately leads to that point because you know ultimately, and I'll just put it out there, in any culture, the true word or the word that can be defined as love actually just means doing the right thing, even if you don't feel like doing it at the time. Hmm. So, and we'll define uh, again. These, the, it's about definition.
0: Yeah, I think some people will intuitively recognize that definition of love, and for some other people, it's completely foreign. Um, and time will tell whether that bears out to be something reliable, and I think we'll get into it in later episodes. But as far as the misanthropic stuff, there's there is something that has to be said for the fact that the world is not constituted the way that we're told that it is. And whether you want to see it as a hatred for the ways of the world, or a hatred of uh, institutions, or a hatred of people, that's going to vary. From my point, I do have a certain disdain towards The way that things are done and towards the forces that drive things i don't have any personal beef with people per se because they're going to do what they're going to do anyway but you have to understand the way that things are constituted otherwise you're just you're not being vigilant at all
1: well the thing about having a personal beef is difficult uh put the judgment of that aside and say objectify it because most persons are the same Yes, they're told that they're all different and unique and wonderful, but if you delve down deeply, they want everyone to be the same. They, meaning if you've ever dealt with anyone in the legal society or the medical society or religious society, they tell people that openly that they're free. But when you deal with them on a personal basis, they say, well, what are you, why are you coming to me with this? You have to be just like everyone else, right? They always say that in private. So there's a dichotomy or schizophrenia there. But uh To personally hate someone or personally whatever is is in a sense foolish when you start objectifying things you'll see within a culture how everyone is pretty much the same right Uh, not uh, let's just use the word similar not exactly the same they're not carbon copies even clones are not carbon copies by the way but you can uh, you can see that uh, again you've heard of the term masses we've used it right or the general mm-hmm. group uh right uh, are they th- that implies a similarity or a oneness right again what would the obi-wan kenobi seclude himself or sequester himself if there was that much variety no it's them and me right now mm-hmm. it doesn't mean it has to be antagonistic or polemic it's just the reality. you know. Is, is objectifying something and is reality something to be liked? Well, that's to, to be determined later. Determine what the reality is first.
0: Right. Determine
1: if you want to personally hate someone uh, after you determine what, and objectified why they are the way they are.
0: Hmm. Let's wrap up this episode by talking about the idea of mindset. I think you've touched on it once or twice, and I may have mentioned it also, which is, of course, interchangeable with mentality, that word. What has become trendy, I think, in the past 20 years or so is that when people realize that the mainstream channels are perpetuating nonsense, those people then turn to alternative media and conspiracy theories as a source of information, and they go down a rabbit hole of equally fallacious nonsense. We see that with YouTube. It's very easy to get caught in the YouTube recommendations sidebar for different things, and you're on there for hours watching videos by people who really, you know, may or may not be making sense. So people overload on this new information, but ultimately they aren't much better off than they were before, because they haven't switched out their old mindset for a new one. Can you give a bit more exposition on that, um, and what exactly is the proper mindset, would you say? Again,
1: you're going to need a reference something to stand on firm footing, good foundation. How do you get that? Well, what's the easiest way that anyone can access a firm foundation on any subject or any matter? Is by defining it. And again, to go back, uh, and you brought up the YouTube venue. I would say that you have university, then you have alternative universities, same junk. And it sounds like an overt criticism of it being low quality. It is right. Uh, mm-hmm. You have uh med- conventional medicine, and then alternative medicine, same junk. Right so and and what the reason that might sound a little uh, over crit, hypercritical at the moment uh, you're just gonna have to hold on to your hat and wait
0: and we'll explain that and i will say that if you have discernment and there's a level of discernment that you can bring to bear on how you interact with various fields of, of knowledge then there isn't this sort of uh, one-size-fits-all criticism of junk that you would necessarily apply to that because of course you can get something profitable out of alternative medicine or mainstream medicine but not if you don't have any discernment then you're just gonna have to do what you're told
1: you know a lot of cherry-picking uh, i wouldn't say that there's anything worth throwing out in, in in wholesale also you know how i brought up qualitative and quantitative um earlier uh, The numbers don't mean anything when you're looking at quality. Like, for example, uh, when I go out to the shops and, for example, I was looking for some kind of anti-bug lotion, right? A lot of mosquitoes around, especially for children. And uh, the the clerk at the shop uh, said, well, this is the one that everyone gets, everyone buys. And I'm like, oh, that's the one I don't want because – and she goes, well, why? And I said, well, because have you met everyone? Do you see how people act on this planet? and she didn't quite understand it. A a rejection of what is commonly accepted is a healthy way to objectifying reality, by the way. You know, the Patent Office does that, by the way. When you apply for a patent, it's commonly rejected, and then you have to go in and do what's called uh, a defense for it, right? You have to uh, expound on why you deserve a patent. If you patently (laughs) reject what's been commonly accepted, wholesale again, and then go back in with scrutiny and uh, a diverse discernment, and diverse discernment meaning you have to know why it got that way too, not just that it is that way, um, you'll be better off. Always.
0: Understood. And I think that as time goes on, um, that will prove itself out as we continue to do these episodes. Okay, I think that um, we've covered the full gamut of introductory topics that we need to that should do it for this episode unless there's something else you want to touch on in conclusion
1: no not at all again in conclusion i would just say no one on the planet is paying any attention with very few exception and uh paying attention was just uh basically be defined as do you understand what something is based on what's been memorialized as it being defined as and then applying it properly because there is a proper way to do it um I mean, it doesn't mean, like, for example, if you're working on a car engine, you can't use kitchen utensils to pry off a valve cover because you don't have a right tool. But that is not the right tool for it, you see. So, in essence, uh, I think uh, time will tell. If we come back and do more of these, which I think we will, we'll be more topical in nature and we'll expand on it and show how simple it is to do what we've proposed.
0: Yes, that is correct. Anyone who listens to this should have a good idea of what to expect moving forward. The Greek Speak podcast will continue to tackle this kind of subject matter, and um, the articles will give an indication of the kinds of things we'll be looking at. So thank you to everyone on the live stream for tuning in. There is no set date or day of the week, so to speak, for when we're going to be doing these, but to those who have subscribed to um, receive information, which can be done on the homepage, You'll get emails about that, about the time in the day um, with enough margin in advance. And once the streams are done, the podcast will be put up on SoundCloud where you can download them for free or you can download them through the website where there will be SoundCloud widgets. So um, thank you, Greek, for this episode. I think it went well.
1: Okay, you're welcome. And uh, there'll probably be more
0: to come? Yes, there will be. So until next time, everybody, and uh, thank you for listening.